Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. You can get your Bibles open to the Old Testament book of Amos. The Old Testament book of Amos. Uh, in December of 2019, the coronavirus was first reported in a city called Wuhan, China. Uh, last week, the World Health Organization, they declared the virus outbreak to be a worldwide pandemic. Uh, it has spread to over 120 countries. There have been major outbreaks in, in China, in Italy, and in South Korea and Iran. And since all this has been going on, most countries have imposed some suspension of travel. Uh, just the other day, uh, New Zealand and Australia shut their borders to outside travelers. The European Union has shut its borders to outside travelers and only allowing people within the Union to travel across borders. Uh, professional and college teams have suspended games. Uh, schools have closed down. Uh, events, uh, concerts, conferences, conventions, they've been canceled or postponed. Corporations have changed how they are operating. Uh, they are allowing many employees to work from home. Others, uh, like the hotel industry, have put their workforce on sabbatical uh, until the pandemic is over. And even others have had to lay off workers because of the outbreak. Churches have changed how they worship. Uh, and every grocery store is struggling to keep the shelves stocked with necessities. As of Friday, there have been 227,285 reported cases worldwide with 9,318 deaths and 84,532 recoveries. We are living in a very unique and challenging global circumstance. But as believers, we have hope in these circumstances. As believers, our circumstances are not to affect the way we view our God. The way we view our God should shape how we view our circumstances. As believers, we, our response should never be rooted in fear of the what, but it should be rooted in faith in a who. Throughout our lives, circumstances, the what that we are facing will change, but the who never changes. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and because of that, our circumstances don't have to shape and rattle how we view Him. But how we view Him, how we know Him, how we walk with Him, it can and does shape 
how we view and understand our circumstances. These circumstances that we're dealing with in this time, uh, they've driven me closer to God. Uh, It's my prayer that it's done the same for you, that through this you have sought God more. You have read your Bible more. You have prayed more. We have a lot more time with our families than we're used to. And so I pray that you've pursued God with your family more. Uh, And I've spent a lot of time pursuing God personally, pursuing God with my family in an attempt to try to make sense. I've experienced this situation like most of you have. I've been worried. I've been confused. I've been scared. I've been seeking answers and I've been searching for toilet paper. I've been doing the same things everyone else has been doing. And while, while reading my Bible this week, I came across the Old Testament book of Amos. Uh, Amos, of course, is one of the minor prophets. And in chapter 4, the writer reveals some truth about God that can encourage us this morning and change our view of our perspective. So look in your Bibles in Amos chapter 4. We're going to be one verse of Scripture, verse number 13. The Bible says, For lo, he that formeth the mountains, and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thought, that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth the high, upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of comfort us, and to give us stability during these uncertain times. And while reading over this scripture, I I saw three truths that Amos gives us about our God that we can take hope in and find trust in during these changing times. And here's the first one. Our God is an active God. Our God is an active God. If we're not careful we can begin during difficult circumstances, during strange circumstances, we can begin to think about God in the wrong way. And it doesn't have to be the circumstances that we're in right now. It can be family trouble. It can be uh, job difficulties. It can be all sorts of things that we're dealing with and struggling with that can cause difficult circumstances in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can look at our circumstances and begin to view God as distant. Begin to view God as uncaring. Begin to view God as uninvolved in our lives, as sitting on the sidelines watching what we're doing. We can think that God isn't interested in what we're going through. And If we're honest, at some point in our lives, in some situation we've endured, in some circumstance we've gone through, we've all thought that. Even during this, we can think during this pandemic, why why isn't God doing something to stop it? Why has God allowed so many people to get sick and die? Or more than that, why hasn't God controlled the responses that we're seeing uh, to the, and the non-health-related problems that we're facing. Because of this pandemic, people are out of work. People are, are hurting for money. 
people in the service industry, our, 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 our waitresses and waiters and people who serve us and people who deal with the public. They're, they're struggling teachers, daycare workers. They are, are out of work. They are staying home because they have to and they're, they're hurting for money. Countries have closed down and panic has set in and God could stop it all. And so we can begin, so why hasn't he? In our, in our personal circumstances, why, why does God allow us to face the pain, to face the hurt, to face the confusion? And so if we're not careful, we can begin to view God as a passive God that is sitting on the sidelines watching us struggle. But Amos gives us a very different view of who God is. In the time that Amos wrote this passage, Israel was facing some severe circumstances. They're facing persecution. They've been invaded by the enemy once again, and they're under enemy control, and so they're being persecuted because of the fact that they're Jews. They are going through a drought in the land. They're, they're hurting for money. They're hurting for food because it's not rained in several years, and, and there's a plague. People are getting sick. People are dying. People are hurting. And during this time, Amos reminds us that in the middle of this persecution, in the middle of this famine, in the middle of this drought, in the middle of this plague, he reminds us that our God is not a passive God. He is an active God. God is not taking a break. He is active and moving in this situation and in every situation that you face. In, in every generation of believers, there have been moments where our circumstances made us sit back and ask where God is. When Jesus was on the earth, his disciples had the honor and the privilege to walk with him, to see him perform miracles, to live in the presence of God. And they, they enjoyed fellowship with God and had faith in God and spent time with God in the flesh until he was arrested. When Christ was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, they all ran. They all left him and ran away. Everyone who'd given up everything to follow Christ left him because they were scared. And I think they, they did it because they looked at the circumstances they realized that the Pharisees seemed to be controlling everything. And they thought to themselves, this, this isn't right. God's not working. And we don't know what's going on. They looked at the trial and they said, where is God? They saw the beating and the suffering that he endured and they, they asked, where is God? They saw him nailed to a cross and they said, where is God? Now, we have the benefit of looking back through Scripture and knowing that in every single one of those instances, God was working. God wasn't absent. God had to allow those instances for the redemption of man. He was at work in the crucifixion. He was at work in the tomb when he raised Jesus from the dead. We see God was active and at work. But in the middle of our circumstances... We can believe that God's given up. We can believe that God is not working. But Amos reminds us that God is active. And he, he uses five words to describe 
the activity of God. He said He forms, He creates, He declares, He makes, and He treads. All these words in the Hebrew language, they are participles. That means that they are not just describing what God is doing, but they describe who God is. God, by His very nature, is an active God. That's why Jesus said in John 5, 17, My Father worketh here hitherto, and I work. So what's he saying there? He's saying God is working, and I am working as well. God is always at work. God is always active. Amos says that God is the one that is forming the mountains, that is creating the winds, that is declaring what man's thoughts should be. He is the one that is making mourning out of darkness. And our God is the one that is treading on the high places of the earth. Our God is an active God. Do not let the enemy tell you that God is not at work in the world right now. Do not let the enemy tell you that God has forgotten you and abandoned you and doesn't care what's going on. God is active in everything that's happening in the world today and everything that is happening in your life. Amos tells us that his actions are powerful. <coughs> Amos says that he forms the mountains and creates the wind. These are the same words used in the Genesis account of creation, describing the omnipotent power of God. It means that all of his actions are born out of his omnipotence. That means that there is no action outside the power or the ability of God. God is active and powerful and able to accomplish anything that he wants to accomplish. But not only are his actions powerful, his actions are wise. Amos says that he is declaring. The Hebrew word declaring there, it means making that which was unknown, known. Speaks of his omniscience of God. God knows everything. Everything that we are facing, everything we are dealing with on a personal level and as a church and as a community and as a world... Everything that we are facing is rooted in the eternal wisdom of God. But Amos also says that his actions are present. It says he treads on the high places. This is speaking of the omnipresence of God. There is no circumstance that you will face where you are separated from the presence of God. This all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God is active and working in your circumstances this morning. And you can have confidence that God is working in the middle of this situation, not just in your life, but all across the world. God is active and God is working. But not only is our God active, we see that our God is a sovereign God. Our God is a sovereign God. Now, sovereign... It isn't a word we use often in the world, but we, we use it a lot in church. And it sounds awesome. God is sovereign. Say that with me. God is sovereign. Sounds, sounds mysterious. Sounds powerful, but what does it actually mean? 
There's a website I go to often. It's called OneLookDictionary.com. You can type in a word and it gives you 75, 100 different dictionaries, uh, Defden Sovereign, this week, and I got like 78 different definitions. And I read some of them. I didn't read all of them because that would have been redundant, but I read some of them. And here's some of the more interesting ones I found about what sovereignty means. One that exercises supreme authority. Here's another one. A supreme ruler. Or another one here, supreme in rank or authority. Now, I read a lot of these definitions, and I came up with one of my own. And here's my personal definition of sovereignty. The one who is in charge of everything. God is in charge of everything. God is sovereign. That is our God. Educational systems are not in charge. Governments are not in charge. Doctors and medical systems are not in charge. Pastors and churches are not in charge. Our God alone is the one that is in charge of all. God is sovereignty. And and Amos reveals his sovereignty and formeth the mountains and createth the wind. Now, we, we learn a lot about the depth of the sovereignty of God through the imagery that Amos uses. Amos, he was an outdoorsman. He understood nature. And he draws two pictures from nature to give us a glimpse into God's sovereignty. He talks about the mountains. He says, God forms the mountains. That's the same word used in Genesis when it said God formed man out of the dust of the earth. It gives us a picture of a potter with clay forming his masterpiece. God is so sovereign that he forms the mountains. Is there anything more stable than mountains? When thinking about security and stability, Is there anything more certain than mountains? We, of course, here in the Roanoke Valley, we live right alongside the Appalachian Mountains, considered one of the oldest mountain ranges in America. You can walk out of our parking lot here and you can see the Appalachian Mountains. I have never one time walked out there and thought, I wonder if they're still there. I wonder if they're still going to be there. I've never been driving down 581 and think, I wonder if the, the Roanoke Mountain's still there. I wonder if Star Mountain's still there. It's always there. It's stable. It's secure. It will always be there for us. I've lived in, all the time I've lived in Roanoke, I've never wondered if the mountains would cease to be. I know they will always be there. I know that. Because God is in charge of everything and the most stable things on earth stay in place because God is sovereign. Now that's great for stable things. That's great for certain times in your life. But what about times that are uncertain? What about times where we don't understand what's happening? Go back to Amos. He talks about who forms the mountain. But then again, look at it. He that formeth the mountain... And createth the wind. 
Is there anything more uncertain than wind? We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. We don't know what it's going to do. I remember four or five years ago, I think it was six years ago now, where that derecho windstorm came through the valley. Uh, me and April at that time, we lived up on Catawba Mountain, and everything was nice and beautiful day, and then all of a sudden it sounded like a, a plane was crashing in the woods. So we go outside and we just see the valley being just wrecked by the wind. And we go down the next day and trees are down, buildings are destroyed, power's out for a week. It's a very uncertain time. No one expected it. It just showed up. Does it all the time. The other day, I went outside in our backyard and the wind had moved our trampoline. Why? Because it just, it does what it wants to do when it wants to do it. Wind is uncertain. It's, it's, it's mysterious. You can have a beautiful day, and out of nowhere, a great big windstorm can come and change everything. It's powerful. It's unpredictable. And with all its power and all its mystery, Amos tells us that God is the one that created it. It may be mysterious to us, but it's not to God. We may not know where it's going to come from or go to, but God does. He is sovereign over the stable things, over the certain things. But he's also stable over the things we don't see coming, over the things we can't expect, the things we can't plan for, prepare for. In the most unsuspecting, frightening, uncertain, unexpected circumstances that we can face, God is in charge. Like the wind, we didn't see this virus coming. No one expected it. It came out of nowhere and spread all over the world. When it appeared in China in December, none of us even noticed it. None of us were worried about it. So how do you know that, preacher? Because none of you gave someone else a 16-pack of toilet paper for Christmas knowing what would come. Now that would be a tremendous gift. We didn't see it coming. We didn't expect it. But... It didn't catch God off guard. He was not unprepared. He is in charge of everything. He is sovereign. He is in control. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That word consists there means to be held together as a whole. Before humanity ever existed. Before there was anything at all, God was in charge of everything and created everything, but he not only created it, he holds it together. All of creation fits together for his purpose and his design. Our God is an active God. Our God is a sovereign God. And finally, our God is a personal God. Look at how Amos closes the chapter. He says, The Lord... The God of hosts is his name. Our active, sovereign God has a name. That word name there in the Hebrew is a word meaning a unit of language by which a person is known. This active, sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God can be known by us. We can know him personally. 
If you are a follower of Jesus today, then you know him. And because you know him, you can call on his name. Proverbs 18.18 says this, says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Because God has a name and we know him, during these uncertain times, we can run to him. We don't have to be tossed by our circumstances. We can run to our all-powerful, all-knowing, active, sovereign God. He is a strong tower. He is a safe place. But if this morning, if you don't know him, the Bible tells us that you can call on his name to know him. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching this morning because the circumstances that we're facing, the current situation that we're in, has you uncertain of things, has you searching for answers. The Bible tells us that you don't have to be scared. And you don't, yet you, by, excuse me, the Bible tells us we don't have to fear. But you may be scared this morning, and you may not know the God that I'm talking about. And these circumstances have brought you panic and fear. If I didn't know the God that I'm talking about this morning, I'll be honest with you, I would be scared. And maybe that's you. The whole story of the Bible is that God loves you. God made you to worship Him, to know Him, to love Him, and to be known and loved by Him. The Bible tells us that all of us sin against God, and because of our sin, that we are separated from God. But God loves us so much that He he didn't leave us in our sin. He sent His Son, Jesus, to us. Jesus is God who became flesh. He became a man and did what we could not do. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and He offered His perfect life on the cross as a payment for our sins. He took my sins on the cross. He took your sins on the cross, and he paid the penalty for our sins. He, was, he died on the cross willingly, and he was buried in a borrowed tomb, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was God, and proving that God had accepted his death as payment for our sins, and he made a way for us to come back to God. He was showing us that his sacrifice was all that we needed to pay our sin debt. To have us, to pay out, to finish, to do the work for us. Now, all we have to do is put our faith and our trust in His finished work of salvation and His finished work on the cross and be born again into a relationship with God. And we didn't earn it. And we can't earn it and we don't deserve it. 
the gift. The Bible says it's the gift of God. And the whole story of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is that God loves you and God wants a relationship with you. God wants you to know His name. He wants you to know Him. This morning, if you don't know God, in just a few moments, I'll tell you how you can meet Him. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to everyone listening today. Lord, I believe you gave me this passage of scripture for this situation and this circumstance in our world. Lord, I've, I've never preached out of Amos, but Lord, I believe you led me here to encourage your people today. To help us remember not to let our circumstances shape our view of God, but to allow our view of God to shape how we view our circumstances. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that is active. You are a God that is sovereign. And you are a God that is personal. As you sit there this morning praying in your own heart, I want to speak to believers this morning. While we pray, call on the name of God. Ask Him for His mercy. Ask Him for His healing, for His wisdom, for His provision for people, for His provision for governments, for communities, and for churches. But if you're here this morning or you're watching this morning and you're not a Christian, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and allowed Him to pay the penalty for your sin, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. If you're ready to begin a relationship with God, if you're ready to stop trusting yourself and begin trusting Him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Now, there's no power in the prayer. There's no power in the the words of the prayer that saved you, but it is your faith that you were born a sinner, condemned to hell, and that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Him. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that you died for my sins and I know that you rose again. I know that you are in charge of everything. And Lord, this morning, I give my life to you. I turn from my, from my sin and I receive you as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for becoming my Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we want to help you. We want to encourage you. And you're not alone in this. We as a community of believers, we want to walk with you. So please, I ask this morning, if you, if you prayed that prayer or if you have more questions, 
reach out to us. You can reach us on Facebook, send us a Facebook message, or you can call or text me personally. My number is 540-556-4004. We want to rejoice with you and help you in your new journey. We're going to pray, and then we're going to continue our service here. We're going to receive our offering. But before we do that, we're going to, just, we're going to turn off the last ring. But I want to encourage you, if you did, re, did pray that prayer, if you have any questions, reach out to us. If you need anything during this time of crisis, reach out to us. If you have any questions, reach out to us. And if you'd like to help us and you'd like to give, there are ways you can give online or you can give via text. That's on our Facebook page and our website. I encourage you to give that away as well. But we'll pray and then we'll continue with our service and wish all of you join us on Facebook a great day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for not just sending your son to die on a cross and pay our sin, though, Lord, if we have a thousand years or 10,000 years, which we do, to thank you for that, it'd never be enough. But God, thank you that you are not a distant God. You are an active God who's in charge of everything and loves us deeply and wants us to trust you for everything. Thank you, God, for that incredible love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.